Hey there, leader. Today, today is July 30th, and on this episode of Leadership Lost and Found, today we're going to talk about vulnerability, how to identify it, how to understand it, and how to use it. On this day in history, 1974, the Watergate scandal was in full swing, and today was the day the subpoenaed White House recordings were released eventually leading into the uh, third article of impeachment against President Nixon and his eventual resignation. I think this is important because on a vulnerability perspective, it was then that the president recognized how vulnerable he really was, those recordings, why you would have those conversations with a recording, uh, a tape recorder going, I have no idea. Yeah. Why would you record something, Jim, for posterity that everybody could look back at or someone could point at? Oh, wait a second. (laughs) Okay, in a, in a personal moment of vulnerability, just, just to get this out here so everybody knows, this is our second time recording this podcast, and not because the first time was bad, but because I forgot to save it and close the file, and a couple hours' work was gone. Yeah. No, you didn't. You didn't forget. You just didn't save and close the file. I'm feeling very vulnerable. Yeah. Yes. So now that we're done making fun of me and my gaffe, Randy, let's do what we always do. Let's level set. Well, let's talk about the word vulnerability. So for the next 20 minutes, vulnerability is the potential to expose yourself to harm. And that's physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual. But vulnerability is the potential to expose yourself to harm. Today we're asking the question, how do you handle vulnerability? Just not your own, uh, others' vulnerabilities, other people demonstrating as well as your own. Uh, How do you handle vulnerability as a leader? And as a subset of that, what is the value in sharing your vulnerability or being vulnerability when you're a leader? And we hope together, um, by the time we're finished today, that you'll not only be able to see the value in vulnerability, but to be able to utilize it in your professional and and maybe in your personal life to grow. Because anytime you get uncomfortable, you're going to grow. You can't grow while you're sitting in your old comfort zone. Amen. And we're going to gravitate here between the world of professional psychology <laughs> and a professional corporate nerd. Yeah. Um, we, we are not psychologists or no. therapists. We're just, you know, fans. But we are both paying for a therapist. <laughs> so there's some vulnerability for you. Yes, we're both in counseling. Yeah, we're crazy. Not, not together, to be clear. Not That's together. Right. Yeah, it's not couples counseling. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's individual counseling. Before we get too deep into it, I also want to have a quick shout out. Um, vulnerability is, I won't call it a relatively new concept, but it's a relatively new popular concept. Um, those of you who have read any of Brene Brown's work or seen her TED Talk, uh, yep, she's uh, big on vulnerability as a linchpin in having effective communications, building trust. And if you've read her book, Dare to Lead uh, and Being a Leader. So By the if, way, both good stuff. We're going to put in the comments, we'll put a link to Brene's TED Talk worth the 20 minutes or another cup of coffee if you can afford it this morning and the book dare to lead is a great book as well you know she never used to fit my uh, common uh, influencer or or mentor type framework right and i actually repelled against her initially but you know what each time i embrace one of her books my wife recently got another one of hers for me I always learn something. It makes me mad. I want to throw the book, but then I realize there's value in it, and I try to apply it. Well, you know, you've got a good segue there. Talk a little bit about shame and vulnerability. Mm. You know, 
we as, as individuals, certainly in our culture, see a vulnerability as weaknesses as a point of shame. However, we are also see um, weakness in others, not weakness, but a, a vulnerability in somebody else as um, courage in you. So when I say that I'm a, I don't know, something, I'm a terrible cook, right? I yeah. don't want to admit that because it makes me feel vulnerable. But if I admit that, there are people who go, oh, look at him. He can admit that he's a terrible cook. And courage in there. Well, it's old corporate America, too, that, that forces that in and says, you know, hey, you're not good at this. So we're going to put you in a situation where you have to get better at it versus playing to your strengths, which is another resource we'll leave you with today. And that's uh, the Clifton uh, or Gallup Strength Finder assessment. Yeah. Because, you know, just like being a former football coach, you know, if you stink at run, uh, running the ball <laughs> on game day, you're not going to run the ball because you stink at it. You're going to pass and try to win. And we need to play to our strengths. And once you know your strengths, you're not afraid to say what you're not good at. Yeah, that's the linchpin. You have to be able to admit that maybe we don't run this time because, you know what, Frank's not a good running back. He drops the ball. We're going to have to go to the air. No, and there's some self-awareness in that too, like, you know, what type of personality that you are. I think I, my wife is a peacemaker. I'm a challenger. And we're like, we're well, talking about the Enneagram. Right? Any, yeah, Enneagram. That's another thing we can leave you with too. Maybe we'll save that for another another podcast. We can't give you everything all in one podcast. <laughs> then you guys won't come back and listen to us. Um, but, uh, my wife being a peacemaker and me being the challenger there, there's, there's, uh, complete strengths in those personalities, but there's also weaknesses in those things. And the important thing is knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're made for. So you can find an opportunity where that matches up and that's where true success and happiness lie. By the way, we have to apologize for the sound quality. I, I promise you, the first version of this was very good. <laughs> Instead, it sounds like we're sitting in a bathroom stall together. <laughs> Maybe we are. <laughs> Occupied. <laughs> Occupied. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. They call it a turd burglar. Somebody tries to get into your stall while That's you're right. in there. <laughs> Okay, probably a little appropriate. Let's <laughs> let's bring it back. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the the science of, of vulnerability. We talked about shame. Um, we talked about you know it's courage in you, but uh, shame in me or weakness in me. There is neuroscience associated with this, and if, if anybody wants to know what you know the citation on this, I can get it for you. But there have been studies done that show when you ask for help, and asking for help is being vulnerable, mm -hmm. I don't understand this, can you help me, actually stimulates the production of oxytocin in the brain to mm -hmm. the recipient, <laughs> which is a social cue, right? We're social creatures, which yeah. is a is an evolutionary social mechanism that, that binds the social aspects of human beings together. So by being vulnerable, by asking for help, you are actually, this sounds terrible, causing a little bit of pleasure in the person oh, you're asking. Ask me again. Yeah. And they ask want, me again. Please stop. Oh, you're sorry. <laughs> I need a shower. <laughs> By asking, you could, you will get a favorable, more often than not, get a favorable response to that request for help because of that evolutionary um, mechanism. Well, if I need a shower, we are in the bathroom. No, oh my God. So. Bathroom humor aside, you know, there are things that we do um, those who aren't willing to be vulnerable, as, as Brene Brown in her book puts it, who aren't willing to rumble with their vulnerability, um, will go to great lengths to protect themselves. And that protection is, is negative, right? As a leader, 
It is costly. Um, and I guess I'm going to ask you, Randy, wh what behaviors do you see in a leader that is not willing to be vulnerable and seeks to protect them, protect their vulnerability? Well, if not just in a leader, but in relationships themselves, you know, telltale signs that you're not being vulnerable will be things like disconnection, you know, feeling unsupported, uh, a loneliness or an isolation, right? Uh, disappointment, frustration. You know, those are the, the signs that maybe you're not being vulnerable. And, and, you know, that people are feeling that a lot right now, especially amid the current health phenomena that's going on. But uh, the health phenomena aside, when things are quote unquote back to normal, you know, you, you need to be able to recognize that and be able to pursue vulnerability in your life. Because just like you said, the, the adding on of the layers, um, the armor, the right? armor that uh, we're trying to avoid vulner being vulnerable and that ends up causing more problems in itself because these layers slow us down. Yeah, well, and you will see leaders or people, uh, you know, they will armor themselves with competence. So I'm the best and they will, they will work significantly hard to ensure that they're always perceived as the smartest one in the room who always has the answers. Yeah. And that is not a leader no. that, that is counterproductive, no. right? Saying you don't know is actually a sign of great self-awareness and confidence in your team. You know, it, it builds trust. It does. Yeah. And, and vulnerability is such a big part of trust, right? You, If you're always the person with the answers, you're not going to build trust with your team. If you're the person who always has to be right or always has to exert dominance, you are unable to build the necessary trust with your team. There is nothing more satisfying than saying, can we do this? And your team responding, yes, we can. And you trust in them to get it done. And simply, if you're protecting your vulnerability like that, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. It goes with, if you're not protecting, especially if you're not trying to protect your competence and you're willing to say, I don't know, or I'm not the best at that. Can someone else step up? Boy, you will see innovation. You will see product productivity increase. But if you're trying to protect it, those people don't get the chance. And that oxytocin that you love so much or no. <laughs> to step in and help. Yeah. And then once they've done it once, they feel comfortable and they will continue. And then once they see that pattern, they'll do it with other people. It really is a self-replicating productivity and innovation machine. Yeah. And the, what you're talking more in general in the more open terms, but you know, when, when you start talking about individual vulnerability, where, you know, it's okay to practice it in front of the team. You know, we all know Randy stinks at three-pointers, so don't, don't ask him, you know, send him for the layup, right? Um, but when you start talking about individual vulnerability, you also need to be selective about who you share that with. So you want to be open, but you yeah. also need to make sure you're only sharing it with the people that are going to value your vulnerability and not take advantage of it, because that's what we fear. Yeah. You know, I, I don't recommend you go into your team meeting and start confessing your deepest fears. No, you know, no, no. I'm, I'm terrified of red red clown shoes, and yeah. suddenly your team is going to be wearing red clown shoes, right? But, but here's a first step for those that, that are, like, for instance, you take the Strength Finder assessment, and it'll list all of your strengths, one through the 34, 36 that they know about. And uh, I'll give an example. I, uh, I had a team recently do it. I had a new team member take it, and his last his last strength, so the thing he was worst at, actually, was uh, was empathy. And it was actually the last one on his list by far. And I said, hey, guys, uh, gals, share your results with this fellow. I said, um, 
we need, like we all need to do, we need to make sure everybody knows where our strengths are. I like, he won't care because empathy is the last. He won't care that you share with him, but nonetheless, we all need to share uh, together. So, so Strength Finder helps you kind of crack the egg and break that hard shell to enter into where you might feel safe in corporate America because, again, it's veiled with your strengths. But when we're talking about deep personal vulnerabilities and some of the more uh, personal development type stuff, you really need to reserve that for a trusted people leader. Yeah. No, no you, you know, as, a, as my friend and mentor, we'll call him Scott, told me once, know your audience. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of knowing your audience, it also helps to know your equipment. I discovered that a, the microphone has an on switch, and when yes. you turn it on, everything sounds so much better. You know what we need? It would really help if we had a technologist somewhere who could help us. <laughs> Somebody who spent a couple of decades yeah, doing nothing technology, but technology. That would be great. That would be great. So the practice of vulnerability needs to be reserved for the precious few people in your life that have earned the right to experience you in that way. Hopefully your people leader uh, is that person. Um, and if it goes well, if expressing lower levels of vulnerability goes well, it, it increases your intimacy, your connection, your trust, and you feel like you can be vulnerable with maybe a little more. You know, that reminds me, I lived in Chicago at the time in 1997. And I remember it was uh, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls going for the NBA championship. Last century. Yes, last century. Thank you for yeah. pointing it out. And uh, another old joke. I'm keeping score. Yes. And Jordan, you know, it's the end of the game. It's the end of the final game of the championship. And they, they, they get the final bucket and they'll win, right? Really, literally, fairly, fairy tale ending for um, Michael Jordan and, and team. And they know Jordan's going to get the ball. They know it. And Jordan gets the ball, you know, or not gets the ball, but they go to throw the ball out. They've got three people covering Michael Jordan. And the ball went to Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr put the shot up and won the championship. It was Jordan's idea, mm. right? And talk about a vulnerable leader who says, I, you know, he's not armoring up. He's not protecting his status. He doesn't have to be the, the hero who hits the grand slam or sinks the, the bucket or, yay, sports. Um, who does any of that stuff, right? He gives it to somebody else because it's about the goal, right? And he becomes vulnerable. He allows his team to succeed, and they did, and greatness comes of it. And not only by that, he builds trust with his teammates. Mm -hmm. and, and you and I have been very vulnerable with each other over the years because when crappy stuff in life happens... When you say it, it sounds weird. <laughs> and you're aware of that in someone's life, you can step into it. Um, you know, we were at a company years ago that was bought out and we found ourselves on a list of people that would be ultimately let go. Um, job changes can be immensely personal and are probably the most personal thing that we can get to or most people will deal with in their professional life that's personally related with each other. So stepping into that when you know something's going on with someone where we can relate especially will deepen our connection with people and it builds long-term bonds, you know, that last beyond an organization chart. So speaking of organization charts, Randy, in your professional career, when, you know, give us an example of when you've been at your most vulnerable. Well, vulnerability has different facets to it, right? We talked about physical vulnerability. I mean, being in the military, you can talk about physical harm, placing yeah. yourself, being vulnerable. But for corporate America, we're really talking about emotional or intellectual vulnerability. 
kind of career vulnerability. And for most of us in the corporate food chain, it would be when your immediate supervisor asks you to do something that would place you in a position of exposure or you being a brave soul putting yourself in a position of exposure. Uh, maybe you weren't voluntold for the job, but you actually volunteered. Uh, for me, every time I would execute on the, the vision of a C-level person who wasn't the highest C-level person, a CISO, for example, um, but that highest-ranking leader, um, between them and the others, there was sufficient deviation to make the choices and direction and leading dangerous. Um, so I have several examples of that. Well, I'm going to jump in with one real quick. Um, I was, uh, actually it was my boss's boss, right? He's a high muckety muck, big cheese at the bank. And, uh, he was muckety muck. He, he stood in the non stinky muck Mm. as opposed to the muck that we stood, we stood in. Um, but he, when he started at the bank, he was in the, you know, he did the management program and he started his first rotation with the, uh, um, what do you call it? international currency trading? And he went in there, and he'd done his trading and the training and the whole bit, and everything was great. And he got his first day of training, and he lost eight hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and he told me, and we're talking, right? And just in a conference room talking, and he he said, and I walked over to the nearest trash can and threw up in it, just barfed right there on the trading floor. And and you know, he said, of course, later uh, the next day or a couple of days later, he made back a million, right, and ended up with a net positive, but. You know, here was a guy who was absolutely willing to tell me about a time he failed. And it created a trust in him. I saw him as human. I saw him as fallible. I saw him as um, somebody that would learn from his mistakes. And that was kind of the story. He said, after I did that, I talked to my boss. And he said, don't worry. You win some and you lose some. Just keep trying and, you know, and you'll get there. Mm-hmm. And and it really built a, a trust and a communication between him and me that, you know, persisted until the day he retired from the bank. Hmm. Odd leader in the army, no. Who uh, who got out of the track? He had to go to the bathroom, and we had stopped for a leader halt. And um, he dropped the ramp, and he got out of the track, and he had a shovel in one hand, and a roll of toilet paper in the other. And he went, went off running through the woods. And when he came back, his face was all red, and his nose was bloody. <laughs> And he had been out by himself in the woods. And I said, Sergeant Murphy, what happened? And he goes, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you later. Shut up. And this is in front of everybody, right? Okay. And, um, and uh, you know, we, we went on about our merry way. And later on that night, I said, hey, Sergeant Murphy, what happened today? And he said, well, I'll tell you, but you can't, got to promise you can never tell anybody, which, of course, I kept all these years. And uh, he said, I hate spiders. <laughs> And he said, I was running through the woods, and, and here in this part of Europe where we were, they had tree spiders. And the spider had built a web, and he ran through the web. The problem was the spider was on his side of the web. So the web wrapped around his face and trapped the spider against, between, his, face. against his face. And he said, so I did the first thing I thought, whack the spider. With the shovel. With the shovel. <laughs> And then I said, well, okay. He goes, no, no. He goes, it's worse. He goes, I knew I didn't kill it. So I whacked it again. So I said, you hit yourself in the face twice with a heavy pioneer shovel. And he said, yes. I said, did you kill the spider? He said, I don't know. But Sergeant Murphy and I were fast friends after that. Well, he, he was vulnerable with you. He shared a story. Yeah. And it built trust between you and 
and good communication. Yeah, that's good. So we're we're getting towards the end here and, and wrapping up, and I want to I want to go over a little bit and, and summarize some of the stuff, especially for the behaviors of of vulnerable leaders. And the first is that you accept vulnerability as a strength. Mm-hmm. Don't be you know giving lean out all the it. yeah. Well, lean into it, but don't you know, also know your audience as we talked about. You know, vulnerability is courage. Being being vulnerable is courage, and courage from you inspires courage in others. It is absolutely in in this time of pandemic probably inappropriate, but a a, a communicable disease. Mm-hmm. Share that courage. The second thing is don't be afraid to admit your mistakes. Takes mm-hmm. that courage and vulnerability. Um, and then the third is don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Asking for that help, going to your team, much like you know Howard Schultz did with Starbucks back in was that 2007 when they're going under, and he said, "I'm afraid, and I need your help to make us the Starbucks that we used to be." Mm-hmm. Right? And the people resonated with his people. They saw his courage, his vulnerability, and responded. Being not being afraid to go to your people leader and say, "I'm struggling with," or "I have a problem with," or "I'm not great." At. I'm not great at how can you help me yeah yeah I yeah. agree and again that's where strength finder comes in so again one last final plug he's not getting paid for strength finders <laughs> by the way I, swear I, to God. I believe in it it's it's it made a huge difference in my life and it can help you as you manage yourself and you manage your team well after 21 minutes of this painful exercise of doing this a second time, <laughs> 40, second time. 45 minutes and Five plus hours with terrible audio. And yeah, now a fully functioning microphone. Yes. Thank you very much. We want to thank you guys for being here for this edition of Leadership Lost and Found. I'm Randy Fields. I'm Jim Desmond. And you guys, guys keep leading. This episode brought to you by Lagavulin 16.